Hey everyone, I just want to touch base with you real quick. Um, what we have going on here by Sports Performance now is a first time buyer program. And this program is meant to help those that are new to training or also uh, new to training with me. And you know, just want to see what it's like to work with somebody else and uh, see if we would be a good fit to train or you know whatever you guys need to help you on your way to creating a healthier lifestyle for you uh, what this program entails is a 60-minute fitness assessment and four 45-minute personal training sessions um, the cost of this program would be $185 and uh, this program will go on for as long as I'm in business um, it's really just to help you guys and as well as if you know somebody that could use a program like this, um, let them know, share this with them, and uh, get them in contact with me. All right. Thanks, guys. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Growing Becoming a Strength Coach podcast. I am your host, Isaiah. And... Uh, I come to you guys today, um, I had some stuff written, but um, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go, I couldn't go on with it because um, currently right now the date is uh, like June 9th and um, you know, if you're watching and most people are um the world is very different now and um what i mean is um a couple weeks ago back on memorial day um unfortunately a man by the name of george floyd was murdered by um a police officer by keeping his knee on his, by the police officer keeping his knee on George Floyd's neck for, I believe, eight to nine minutes after being um, arrested. You know, the threat was pretty much neutralized. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people be able to go on social media and on the news and also talk to some people um, and let them understand, um, from their point of view, what's going on, or, you know, you know what I mean, and, um, you know, ever since I was a kid, um, one of the things I had to learn, and I'm going to be brutally honest with you, um, and this is early on, probably in, like, third, fourth, or when I was three or four, um, it was ingrained in me to learn how to speak and act, not just in front of black people or just people of color in general, but how to act in front of white people. And it has been an ongoing thing with me on when I get into a store how do I present myself? Do I present myself as a peaceful man of color or do I threaten someone? 
And I will be honest, I, I went to a predominantly white school um, in Montgomery, New York, Valley Central. Um, that was my district. Um, but I uh, lived in the town of Newburgh. And my mother was a teacher at the um, in the Newburgh district for, I believe, close to 15 years. And, you know, you get to see two sides of the coin because, um, you know, the Newburgh district, which is literally right next to the Valley Central district, uh, the Newburgh district is predominantly kids of color with, you know, there will be um, white kids at well, as well, but not as many since that district is primarily set in the Newburgh the city of Newburgh is a, a city that, um, you know, there, there's high, there's the, I don't know what it is now, but there was a high crime rate. Um, you know, there, there are gang affiliations there that I'm aware of. And to be able to go to a district like Valley Central where, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty safe in a sense of, there's a good police presence, but, you know, you, everybody kind of knows everybody in that town. And, um, you know, being in that district, you don't realize things until you start to become very aware. And, you know, at first, you know, you know I, I didn't see color, you know. And... Um, you know, it's just white people, black people, Spanish people, Latino people, Muslim people, and things really didn't come in set come into fruition for me until nine eleven. And what happened was uh, the year prior, we had um, a couple families come in, and one of the families I know, um, they were of the Muslim religion. And um, I believe they were Pakistani. And after 9-11, I remember, because um, I started to, I knew about them, but, you know, I didn't really um, talk to them because we were in different classes. Um, and you could see when 9-11 happened, the, the bullying that went on to that family. And, um, it's, I, I believe sometimes it's still around today, but, you know, it, I always knew about, you know, black history and what we had to go through even before slavery to slavery, then to civil rights, pre, well, then pretty much, yeah, to the end of the civil war. And then, you know, all the way through that, to the civil rights movement to, um, Jesse Jackson being like one of the first real candidates to be president and then, um, then, you know, the Obama years. And you learn a lot, but it has always been the same, I guess, for me. Um, I, I was called an N-word for the first time by somebody of a different, that's of, from a white person, probably as a young child, I'd probably say, I was probably between nine or ten. I didn't really understand that, so I went home and I said, "Mom, um, what do I do?" 
And, you know, a lot of times your parents would say you really can do nothing. You can speak to somebody and all this stuff. But, um, you know, it's tough. It is tough. I remember one time in eighth grade, I went to my science class. And, you know, I sat at the same desk every every day. And one day I sat down and um, there it is right there, like written in pencil on my desk, nigger. And I really didn't know what to do with it. And I remember this point in my life because I talked to my teacher. I was like, hey, um, I have something on my desk that you should look at. And he looked at it. And he paused class for a moment to, you know, figure something out. But then um, a young lady next to me who, you know, she just didn't really have all that restraint, came over with a pencil and tried to erase it. And I don't think it was her because I walked, I walked with her to class that day. And, um, you know, we both sat down and, you know, it's like it can't be erased from my memory, even though she tried to erase it. And she kind of asked, like, she doesn't really, she really didn't know what the big deal was. And remember, you know, this is eighth grade, so, you know, some people know, but not all. And I just wanted to share my thoughts on um, what's been going on, really. Um... I see that people are becoming more aware of what is going on in the real world. Um, People are understanding now what white privilege is. Um, And I mean people, all people, not just black people and white people. I mean all people are starting to understand what white privilege is. People are are finally understanding um, how black people have to go through life scared um i am never scared to be in a room full of black latino spanish um chinese i'm never scared i mean if it's like in a situation where it's uncomfortable yeah but i usually feel pretty comfortable but when i'm put in a situation where there are more white people than people of color I'm more at fear to people. And, um, you know, I always say, no matter who you are, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, all that stuff. But, you know, um, I'm very careful about, I have to be very careful about where I go and what I do because there are days, and it's not every day, but there are days when I feel like you know, this might be my last day. This might be the day where, you know, I could not see my family because I might run into the wrong area, see the wrong white person and or the wrong, um, you know, bad cop, not all cops, but bad cop. And, you know, I'll be that guy on the TV that ends up dead. And it's not because of my own hand. And that's something that I have to worry about day in and day out. 
And, you know, when I started my own business, people were like, oh, another, another black-owned business, another black man in business. And quite frankly, I had to take the mindset of, no, I'm just another business. I'm out here fighting the same fight. Like, I don't care if I have to fight longer than those other guys. I'm out here fighting the same fight to just be another personal trainer, to be another strength coach, to be another businessman. I don't like that label of saying that because I feel like I am equal. And I feel like I can be equal to all those other businesses that are fighting the same fight with me to be the best business possible. Now, I understand that I have something over a lot of other businesses, but I don't use that as my mantra. I come in if you need to be trained. Well, I come in and then when you come in, if you need to be trained, if you need to reach your goals, that's all I freaking care about. I don't care about the color of your skin or anything about that. And it's hard now because... I feel like there are more successful people that are white. And that it's harder for, you know, people of color, even different genders and 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 sexual orientations and all that. It's harder for us because we're seen as different. Cuz nobody wants to see everybody wants to see the different, but they don't want to see the similarities. And, you know, I feel like I have to spend more time telling people why they should pay for my stuff a little bit more than what a white person has to. And, you know, to be where I'm at, it wasn't easy. I had to get my, I had to get my certification. I had to go through the, getting the degrees and all the college classes. And I'm still doing so. Just because I have this this need to feel like I belong and that I have to do every little thing possible to be at the top. And I feel like if I don't do everything possible, I won't be there because there will be some other white man or woman that will come in and they'll be like, oh, we need her because, you know, she's just like us. And that's that that that's my thought process on a daily um you know um this is gonna sound funny but you know most of my best friends are white you know and well I wouldn't say best friends but I say most of my friends are white because well I went to predominantly white school and um you know I do have my family that is primarily all black um but at the end of the day You know, it's just funny to, to, to think that I have to talk about this because this is the only way I feel like I can get things out um, is by talking. Um, writing on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, it's not really my forte. I feel like I sound like an idiot. And maybe I sound like an idiot on this, but I, I want things to get better. I want to feel like I'm equal to other people, which I don't. I want to feel like I belong. I want to feel like I am somebody. And I feel like there are times where I shouldn't have to prove myself so much. There are times where, like, 
you know, the bread is in the pudding or whatever the saying, however the saying goes. Like, you know, I've done what I've had to do. Why do I have to keep fighting? And sometimes I just look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, it has nothing to do with what you've achieved and what you earned. It has to do with what you, what you look like, dude. You know, um, one thing my mother always taught me was, you know, don't wear hats in stores. Don't wear hoods in stores. And I love hoodies. You know, being a former athlete, wearing sweats was best for me because I didn't like wearing heavy clothes. You know, I'm putting so much stress on my body. I liked wearing light sweats and, you know, freely moving clothes and all that stuff. But, you know... My mom and dad always told me, don't wear your hat all the time. Don't wear your hood all the time. Always greet people when you when you walk up so that they don't think that you're a bad person, you know. And, you know, and there are good people. There are more good people out there than there are bad people. Um, I support the good police officers. I support the good firefighters, the good doctors. You know, there's always good and bad in in any field. It does not matter. And I believe that not all cops are bad. Um, I believe that some are bad cops. Like, some of them are racist. Some of them do some things that, you know, they had to do in order to get where they are. And it wasn't always the right thing. Um, I also believe that, you know... There are cops that just don't have good judgment, you know, and, you know, they just need to be, they just need to listen and learn from the people in their community and hear how people want to be treated. And I get that everybody has their motivation to be a cop. I have a feeling that some cops and maybe even military were probably bullied and have that, that instinct to want to help the bullied and protect protect the ones that need to be protected but you know it's different when you know i see a man get pulled over and there's five cop cars and every single cop is practically pulling their gun out and the one guy is just sitting there hands above his head saying please don't shoot me please don't shoot me i mean if you got you know let's say every cop car has two cops in it that's 10 cops to one person. So one of the cops can be like, hey guys, he's, his hands are above his head. Lower your weapons. And can somebody please get like arrest this guy, you know? Instead of, you know, gun first, shoot first, and then think about it later, you know? I think that's what, you know, has to be done. And, you know, I do think it's unfair also that um, some cops kind of just go through the academy and, um, you know, and I believe the academy is roughly between six months and nine months, I guess. It depends. I've looked it up over the past few weeks. Um, and, you know, for me to learn what I had to learn... You know, I had to go through bachelor's degrees and stuff like that. I mean, if you're going to be a cop, I believe you should have a degree in criminal justice then. You know, 
so that you can learn psychology, so that you can learn things about how to approach people. And I believe they should have classes on, you know, different races, the history, the real history of being an officer. Not just the good, but also the bad. And see what how cops are seen from the public's point of view. And that, I feel like that should be something that should be taught. Um, you know, I see things right now the way they are, and it just, it hurts. It hurts. But um, I do believe that we can get through. I do believe that things will get better. Um... I'm sorry to take up so much of your time, guys. We're just speaking about this, but this was something that was um, heavy on me um, this morning. And I just wanted to share it with you all. Um, so as you guys go through the days, through this odd 2020 year, give love show love, show respect, listen, but always always be that person that wants to be the change that you seek in the world. And if you seek good change, You're, you're a good person. Be the change that you seek in the world. Thank you guys um, for listening. Um, until next time. Peace.